You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we're going to go over the case of Rachel Del Tundo. Um, she was a 33 year old school teacher. She was murdered in her driveway. And now this was kind of near Pittsburgh, little town outside of Pittsburgh. So we're just going to kind of dive right in on it. So when I was first searching up this case on Rachel, this huge, beautiful picture popped up on like one of the articles. And at first I just thought it was kind of like an ad, if that makes sense. But then I realized that it was her. She looks like a model. I don't know. I posted, I put pictures in here. I don't know if you can see them. She looks beautiful. Yeah. When I was looking through the document, I was like, I thought they were just like stock photos. Yeah. She's She's gorgeous. Gorgeous. She has like this amazing smile. Never would I have thought she was a teacher. I thought more of like a model or something. Yeah, teachers are ugly. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But you saw that picture, though. Oh, yeah. You saw that picture, yeah. though. I mean, that looks like modeling pictures. Oh, yeah. But she was 33 years old, and she was a teacher in Aliquippa, PA. Mm-hmm. And I had never, honestly, ever heard of this town, ever. Um, so I looked it up, and it's located in Beaver County, and it just has a population of over 9,000 citizens. Rachel's case is the ninth unsolved murder, and it is suggested is because the city police department is underfunded and understaffed. In an article in Times News Network, an investigative journalist, John Paul, and I'm also going to say he also runs his own type of, I guess, I see a lot of his articles on Facebook, but I think he has his own webpage. It's like the Beaver Courier or something where it's just him. And he's like really involved in this town. But he said that the police department in Aliquippa largely had part-time officers. John grew up near Aliquippa and personally witnessed its decline. He said it was once a home to big steel, big money, and big NFL stars who came up through the renowned high school football program. And he claims today that the city can't even afford a fully staffed police force. I think that's common in a lot of places, especially smaller places. I want to say I live in a borough and I think there's like two different police uh, stations for like the borough and the actual township. But our borough, it only has three cops, a full time cop and then two part time. So it's not very many. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Growing Mm -hmm. up in Perry County and Duncannon, we had Duncannon borough cops and then we had Penn Township cops. And then Penn Township started covering everything and the Duncannon cops went away and then Duncannon was being covered by the state police and then they got rid of the um, Penn Township cops altogether. So like it went from these little police stations in small towns to, you know, now the state police are having to cover an entire county. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of work. So right now we'll dive into who Rachel actually was, a little bit about her backstory. Lisa, her mother says, if anyone remembers anything about her, it is that she was a kind, good person. Obviously she was a teacher at PA Cyber, and I can't say how much I respect teachers all in itself because Landon's a handful and I know what they have to deal with just with him. I can't even imagine 28 other little ones or bigger ones, whichever grade you teach. Um, and I was a shitbag kid, so I get it. <laughs> Um, totally get it. But it absolutely takes like a loving person to do that as a career. Like you're not getting paid like 
a crazy amount of money. Even people who work in, I guess, private schools, they're not making like a ton of money to have to deal with like the shit attitudes of students, you know, going, discovering themselves and whatever. So, I mean, it really does take a special kind of person with patience to teach, I think. I would agree. <laughs> or with wine. <laughs> or with wine. True. <laughs> um, Lisa said that Rachel particularly liked to help troubled kids. Now, outside of school, she was trying to win the heart of Frank Katrupa. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, they had been dating for a couple of years. And as Rachel's best friend put it, it seemed like it was a very hot and cold type of relationship for years. Like they'd be on, they'd be off, they'd be on, they'd be off. And then the problem really came down to that Rachel really wanted stability and children with Frank, but he kind of resisted. Frank said in an interview for 48 hours, um, there was an episode done. I'm blanking. I think I have it listed somewhere else, like what actual episode it is, but it's a really detailed episode. I highly suggest watching it if you're really interested in the case to like kind of put faces to all the names and stuff. But, um, in that episode, he said he had known Rachel since they were kids. And as an adult, Frank was making an empire for himself and trucking cable and energy. He had been listed in a magazine as the Wolf of Alquippa by Mark Grandinetti for your Beaver County. He is the CEO of Coast to Coast, which was founded in 2009. This was all started from a college dropout. So you can only imagine how much hard work he put into this quote unquote empire. And according to his LinkedIn, he is still there now. And he had other smaller businesses leading up before he started the Coast to Coast. So he was really putting in that work, but Rachel really kind of wanted to lock him down. According to Frank, she had given him three deadlines for a proposal, which in my mind, I would say run. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Lisa, Rachel's mother, admitted that she was a huge factor in the pressure because I guess they're like old school and they don't understand. They'd been dating for so many years. Where's the ring? Yeah. Basically. Like, I guess, I guess that's true. I mean... But again, I don't I don't know to have someone give you an ultimatum or deadline. That's sketchy in my mind. Uh, the best marriages start with an ultimatum. I'm pretty sure that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, so Frank, I guess, ended up proposing in Paris. Well, he did end up proposing in Paris. I'm not sure what like the motivating factor really came down to. Um, and he proposed with a six carat diamond. Jeez. Which is huge. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to use so much profanity, but I was going to say, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What a big yes. ring. <laughs> yeah. And like, I looked up a picture of it and damn, is it big? It's like, it's unnecessarily huge. <laughs> but like over the years and, and like way before, you know, researching this case, I've heard that like the bigger rings, the more issues there are because like the bigger ring you have the higher it has to sit because it's a certain like structure and the base yeah. i don't i don't know how to explain it but it sits higher so therefore it like catches or hits things and it's more likely to break your setting and you're losing a six carat diamond which is a lot of money i can't yeah. imagine the stress that that would bring like if you were say at the beach or something and all of a sudden your diamond was gone <laughs> yeah I can't imagine. I panic over my ring because it's so old because it's uh, my husband's grandmother's. Yeah, I almost said grandfather's. <laughs> and I freak out about it to the point where usually at least once a month, I have a dream where I look down and the opal is missing from my ring and I have like a panic attack. And it's not like a big diamond that I could even knock off of things. 
like it's a normal sized ring and I panic about it all the time. If there was a oh, six yeah. carat diamond, I'd be going nuts. Mine's not even a carat and it's not insured. So I wear it like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified. Yeah, I don't blame you. My sister's first uh, ring, diamond, whatever. It wasn't like crazy big. But she, like, the setting or whatever, it, like, broke one of the prongs, and she lost it. But I guess she had insurance, and they, like, covered it. But, like, even still, that's terrifying. I'm sure it was not as much as this diamond ring, but, I mean, still. And I guess if you have that much money, maybe it's not that... Not that big of a deal. Yeah, but who knows? That's got to be a lot of money. How do you get things done? Seems heavy. (laughs) Right? Weighing down your hand. (laughs) I I saw in like, I don't know, some, I guess, like reality TV thing that people like wear them on necklaces now or something when they're too mm-hmm. big. I don't. What's the point? I don't know. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. With this engagement, Frank told Rachel that he wanted a prenup, which someone could potentially be like offended by. Yet I, this is a guy obviously running a very successful business and wanted to protect his assets. I understand it. But how would you guys feel if your husband's asked for a prenup? I mean, yeah, given this situation, I think I'd get it. I don't know that I'd love the idea, but if the goal is to marry him and not split up ever, then it's not really going to matter. Yeah. I mean, our husbands don't have empires, <laughs> so it's hard to imagine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you had that much money and that many assets, I guess. I know people who are married and get divorced and they don't even have like a crazy, not nothing like this man. Um, And it's still like a struggle. And like if you accumulate debt when you're with a person or anything like that becomes half of yours and I mean, I've seen things get messy for just like basic families living around the neighborhood. Like I couldn't even imagine how messy something like this could be. And in his defense, like she didn't help him get there. Not to be rude, but like she went her path of becoming teacher. They weren't like living together. Like she wasn't supporting him as he was doing that. I mean, I think it would be different. So yeah, on a logical level, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure emotions do not help. No when being told this but he said when he told her at that time she completely understood was good at it wasn't mad but when she told her mom lisa was adamant that she was not to sign it and frank was like okay well this is not gonna work then and the engagement was canceled Rachel's family didn't want her seeing him at all, but she was secretly seeing him and lying to her family. Not only was the relationship a headache to her parents, but with the canceled wedding, they faced issues with the wedding dress. Um, And I found like, and I had to say for all the cases that I've like researched, there's just so many articles about this family. I, there's just so much. I just could not stop typing. I'm just like, what is happening? But, you know, for her big wedding day, uh, Lisa wanted her to be this beautiful bride. They have these big, I guess, Italian weddings. And um, so they were going to have this dress made by a New York designer. The dress nearly cost $10,000. And oh, oh. oh, yeah. My wedding yeah. didn't cost that much. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. Oh, it was so cringy when I heard it. I was like, oh. And like, obviously the thing with like buying a designer, like you have to put nearly half down with like a signed contract. And basically this contract said like no refunds, but they still tried to get their money back, hoping the dress hadn't been started yet when the cancel, because obviously the, it was canceled pretty soon. Like after the, after he proposed, it was not that long after. 
and they just they just wanted to get out of the contract and the contract was cut and clear um and they basically like no you're not getting your money back and they're like fine we'll take the dress and we'll just resell it um well then the shop didn't give them the dress either they didn't get their money back they didn't get the dress so Mm. i mean that's a lot of money so they put almost just under five thousand down so they did take um this salon owner to small uh claims court and they just didn't show up so obviously it won in favor of lisa and it did take a little while and they did get their money back lisa seems like someone that i don't want to mess with yeah no yeah well i really wanted to add that random tidbit in because um you'll see later down the line how her like strong personality could potentially be a problem with the case gotcha put it we'll leave it like that I'll let you decide later, a little later. (laughs) But yeah, she is ruthless. Even in, even watching her videos, she is intense. (laughs) Just like, damn. And like, anytime the reporter like asks something, there's like, she's not faltering in her answer. She knows exactly. She's like dead on. And there's like an example I'll talk about later. And I'm just like, I don't believe you. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. So December, 2016, Frank threw himself a birthday party. Rachel's best friend, Jen, was there. And on the 48-hour episode, she said that Rachel just wasn't herself. Jen says she seemed drawn and jumpy. So she decided to ask Rachel about it. And Rachel got super defensive. Out of nowhere, she hit Jen in the face, which that is just a shady thing. Damn. Walk away or something. I don't know. Like, girl, you okay? Punched right in the face. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently that was like super out of the character for her. Like she's never been physical with Jen and Frank saw this and rushed over to find out what was going on. And out of nowhere, Jen drops his crazy bombshell on Frank. Um, She had told him that Rachel told her in secrecy that um during the super bowl game of 2016 frank was away with some buddies rachel was back home and had an incident with a 17 year old named sheldon jen said that rachel told her that sheldon jeter jr who was a star football player at aquipa high school messaged her at 11 p.m that he needed help she agreed and decided that she'd meet him and they uh met up at like a circle k parking lot um and to know she had met him while she was substitute teaching when he was in elementary school and obviously he's older now yeah yeah yeah. awkward he's obviously older now but they had recently reconnected in it in my mind why are you reconnecting like you're not teaching him what why it's like so with remaining semi-vague um i'm friends with a lot of the teachers from my high school just because tiny town. My mom worked at the school district. We knew everyone, yada, yada, yada. So there's a teacher from my local school district that will comment on like pictures of other, usually it's females, but that graduated around the time I did. And, um, he'll just say like, you know, you were always so beautiful or I always thought you were beautiful. And I'm like, that's weird. Mm. Yeah. Like because of when you were their teacher, it's weird that you're saying, I always thought, blah, 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 blah. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Say beautiful picture and move on. Be creepy somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I couldn't find anywhere, like, how long they had been reconnected for, how long they had been talking for before this incident. 
And um, so when Sheldon got to this parking lot, he jumped into Rachel's car and she said a police officer happened to come into the parking lot and he noticed the windows were steamed. So he knocked on the door and she basically told him, like, we're just talking. She told Jen that she specifically told him, hey, he was an old student, but we're just talking. And apparently the cop, she told Jen that the cop just kind of let it go, just drove off. And Jen at the time of the confession asked if there were any drugs or sexual relations like kind of going on (laughs) that night, but Rachel denied it. Jen says she never believed her though. Frank was obviously shocked and he's in front of tons of people. How is he supposed to like react, you know? And Rachel's just backpedaling saying, you know, I was just trying to help him. I was just trying to help him. And obviously she loves helping troubled kids. And it wasn't anything that was that inconceivable that she could be, you know, doing, um, though a little bit like, why, why would you do it outside of like school hours or that late, you know? Yeah. Um, So Frank just kind of believed her and then they went their way. Jen kind of left and that was that she didn't really talk to her um, after that incident. But I guess like as time went on, Frank remembered that during that Super Bowl game, Rachel was like acting super jealous because he went with a group of friends and some of these friends were women. And for me, in my experience, when I've been cheated on, the person is always trying to convince me that I'm doing something wrong when they're doing something wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty so common. To, yeah. So to me, that was like suspicious, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so he kind of just let it go. But I think it kind of ate at him, especially thinking back on that. Um, and in early 2017, Frank just couldn't let it go. And he remembered that Rachel said the police showed up. So he took a visit to the police station. Now he wanted to see if there was a report written and he had a good relationship with the cops because his father was an ex officer and he was friends with them and his company had donated stuff to the police uh, force. So he was doing this super casual, not, I guess on the quote unquote books or whatever. He asked them if there was a written incident, they told him, there was, so he requested it. And like I said, you usually need a formal request, but the chief told the officer to just give it to him because, you know, he's just one of the buds, basically. Though, during like the 48 hours episode and when, um, I guess, uh, newspapers started to ask him, he started to backpedal. Oh, no, that's not how we do it. Blah, blah, blah. And it actually opened up um, a huge investigation, which we'll go over a little bit later. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. But Frank was not the happiest of people after reading this report because everything Rachel had said did not match her report, which is a little suspicious. A little, little sus there. Yep. Oh, yeah. So this is intense. Um, the report basically said that there was a car spotted in an abandoned lot, which is not a Circle K, at 2 a.m., which is also not 11 p.m. Oh. Um. And the windows were steamy. It was noted in the report. Um, when the officer engaged the passengers, the passenger seat was fully reclined. The report did say that Rachel disclosed she was a former student, but they are friends now. She claimed they were just talking. But on the flip side, she specifically asked the cop to not let her fiance know about the incident. That's totally normal. Yeah. And that was yeah. written in the report, which is shady. Like in my head, if you aren't doing anything wrong, well, act like you are. Now, in the report, the officer stated that he recognized the boy because obviously he's a star of Aliquippa at the time, but right. he did not 
uh, notice Rachel, though I feel that if he would have realized who it was, he probably would have told Frank since he has these connections with the police. So Frank walked out of the police station with the entire folder that he was giving containing the report and documents with personal information, like copies of their driver's license and stuff, which I'm pretty sure you shouldn't be able to walk out with. Yeah, no. And then shortly after discovering the report, someone anonymously emailed and texted the incident report to her elementary school, the local school board, the local mayor, and the media. Oh, yikes. Mm -hmm. So Frank is adamant that he was not the person to leak the report and even said he showed it to multiple people to see if anyone else knew about it. And he claims that one of the people that he potentially could have shown could have leaked it, but he was very vague about who he quote unquote showed it to. Um, Lisa and Joe have no doubt in their mind that it was Frank because he was trying to ruin the family name and embarrass Rachel. Days after the leak, Rachel was suspended with pay from her job, which I mean, is kind of obvious, you know, for like yeah. a like an investigation through like the school or whatever. Right. And Frank ended up ending things because it just didn't jive with him that things weren't adding up between what she said and what the report said. Now this information I'm telling you was from 48 hours. And this was between her parents talking and Frank talking and a police officer. But this um, investigative journalist put out way more other like reports about the um, cops at the time And some of that information definitely doesn't um, add up with what was said in that 48-hour episode, so I'm just going to share it. Now, one of the articles that I came across was a Post-Gazette article that Chief Couch claims that there wasn't initially a report written at all. Only when the police station caught wind of the incident being circulated, when Jen kind of blurted it out, did they decide that they should write one. What's the point, though? Yeah. Was that before Frank went to the police station? Yes, it was before. It was a couple months before. Okay. Yeah. And Hmm. I just feel like that definitely shouldn't happen. I mean, it should be written like right after an incident is like reported or whatever. Hmm. Um, So the report actually was created in April 2017 and it's raised questions and state police launched an investigation. And in February 2017, the department was put on probation for a year the entire department yep and there's like some other things because i can't get a clear answer and i don't know why 48 hours didn't talk about it because they brought up like someone and they should have brought up his father and it just was not talked about in in these articles it says that there's a huge cover-up because of it but basically there's two officers the night of this incident apparently quote unquote who knows i i have no idea especially because this report was created so long after i mean can you trust it but apparently there were two officers and one of the officers his daughter was best friends with rachel and in the report it said that they didn't know rachel but if your daughter's best friends with rachel how don't you know rachel interesting yeah and he's and he's the one he is one of the ones that ended up going on an administrative pay after her death this dad but they try to play it as oh we're just a family grieving because my daughter's best friend's dead (laughs) yeah not to be like super picky but date wise so the report was written april 2017 do you mean that they were put on probation in february of 2018 after that or they were put on probation before they wrote no after so that was February 2018. 
Yeah, because there's okay. like, especially after um, all the wind like got out, and there's a lot more about the police we'll talk about. I think just like the culmination of everything, kind of the state police were like kind of done. Yeah, <laughs> this police station. So that's like super sketchy, and so we're gonna move on because there's even more, which I don't even know how there could be. Lisa says at this point in her life, Rachel couldn't sleep or eat, and ended up needing to be placed in a psych ward for three days. Um, in small towns, gossip spreads like wildfire. Lisa and Joe said that she never once told them about another relationship being with Sheldon or anyone else. Um, and this is when the reporter asked her, do you really think your daughter would tell you about a relationship with a 17 year old? And she dead straight looked in the camera. Yes. My daughter tells me everything. And I'm just like, what? That's one thing I would not tell anyone. (laughs) My daughter talks to me about statutory situations all the time. It's just normal, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Why would? No. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't think I would tell any. It didn't sound like she really told anyone. She told Jen, like, I think months after it happened. Like, it didn't seem it was like something she was like keen to just disclose, let alone to your parents. Mm -hmm. Especially because her mom seemed like such a hard person i don't know but if she did have a relationship with sheldon it would obviously be frowned upon and you know this is where i was going to talk to you sarah because like she technically wasn't his direct teacher she only met him i think for a day technically taught him for a day and in pa consent is 16 and sheldon was 17 so is it like really bad not bad what are your thoughts the fact that he is under 18 and is still a student is is not good um now i don't know if he was a student at her school um because if she was at pa cyber you know she wasn't in the classroom with students yeah um so i don't know if you know they were actually teacher and student or if it's just a former student, you know, but I think just the fact that he is still in high school, it's one of those things that certain jobs you're held to certain standards. And I think it's kind of like a doctor, like, right. You can't just someone come in and you can't deny them because you don't like something about them. Like you have to help them. Like I think of it in that sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, I I think she should meet up with him in a public place, not, you know, his car at 2 a.m. in a parking lot but yeah um i mean if if the rumors are true it's definitely not good yeah because again that's statutory Mm -hmm. um but i mean even if he was 18 but still a student it's not not good looks on a teacher yeah her parents were just adamant i guess from the start it seemed like they backed her regardless and i mean i'm a parent And I would say, like, I wouldn't back Landon if he did something bad, but who knows as a parent? I mean, I've never been in that situation, so I couldn't, like, say. I mean, if you truly believe that someone was trying to frame Landon, you would defend him. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they just they just honestly think that she was just really trying to help a troubled kid and as you said framed we'll talk a little bit about that later because they do believe she was being framed they claim that sheldon was obsessed with rachel and mistook her kindness for more than just niceness they even said that on one occasion while rachel was live sheldon showed up to the house completely drunk lisa said she could just tell he was drunk though i'm not sure she didn't really say how she could tell she just knew 
and he was just knocking aggressively on all the windows, but she didn't call the cops, which to me, that was like another reason why, like she's super aggressive about going after people. Why the hell wouldn't you call the cops? That didn't make sense to me. Or to like tell this part of the story, but then also say, oh, there was nothing going on between him and my daughter. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. the the kid was drunk outside your house, pounding on windows, but there's nothing like you don't have any concern about this or. Mm-hmm. So I was just listening to, I think it was the newest crime junkie episode about um, like stalking awareness and how people don't necessarily take those actions seriously at first. So yeah. if this drunk kid just comes like knocking on your window, like it might startle you like shake you up but you might not really even think until like obviously after the fact and after all this happened and you're thinking back you're like why would you not call the cops but i feel like maybe in the moment it's just like i mean maybe lisa i mean with her big personality was like screaming at him to go away or something you want to know what she was doing she said that she was holding up gun fingers and pointing them at him like a child in my head oh my god yeah but yeah i think a lot of people bang bang bang. a lot of people don't report like the stalking activity yeah that's true so i feel that's more like the victim this was like the mom yeah and she said that he, he was there for a while like if it was not more than if it was like less than five minutes i could understand but she made it seem like he was there for a while Mm -hmm. circling the house banging But, um, it just like surprised me. Like I said, she was like super aggressive about everything else, not aggressive about that. And Sheldon's lawyer says that he was never there. He was not drunk at her house. And like, we'll never know because there wasn't a report done. There wasn't like surveillance cameras. I don't even think she could remember the date that it happened. So yeah. And with Sheldon's attorney, he states that she was never his teacher and then that they were much more than friends to everyone's surprise. He said they were in a type of relationship for quite some time, but like quite some time could be different from to a kid to like an adult. Was it like three months to him a year to her? Like, I don't really know. How can you just say he was never or she was never his teacher? Like when she admitted previously, he was in a class that I student taught or whatever or substituted in. Well, maybe they don't count the substitution as being like an actual teacher. I don't really know. Oh, that's true. I I was kind of unclear about that. I was hoping you would lend that. Like, does that really take credence? Like a one person that you saw one time? I mean, it would be different. Like, you know, if a substitute covered a class one day when you were in first grade, you wouldn't say that that substitute was your first grade teacher. Yeah. So I guess I, I can get that logic. I think it's just a gray area, honestly. Yeah. Um, Regardless, she was an educational professional employed by his school that he was yeah. attending. So okay. there's still that level of it, even if she wasn't his direct teacher every day. True. So Sheldon's uncle was also on this 48 Hours episode, and he's an interesting character, to say the least. But he claims he knew Sheldon was seeing someone and he knew it was an older person, which I thought was clever because I never thought about it. But the reason he claims that he just knew she was older because he was getting expensive gifts, not something like another high schooler could potentially afford. Like this isn't like a crazy, super, like super rich area from what I could tell that like Sheldon, his family was more on like, I guess the poor side than I guess what Rachel would have been. But Basically, I guess after one Christmas, Sheldon had this like really nice Rolex 
like no one in his family could have afforded it for him. So someone had to have gotten it for, for him. If, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's not suspicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this uncle, you know, when he was asked, like, why do you think she was attracted to him or how do you think he got caught up with her? And he basically said, oh, he's the star of the town, which like really was like, oh, <laughs> and he he kept like making things like Sheldon had women. And I'm like, you're, he's a kid. Why are you proud of this? And your nephew. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Please stop. Yeah, it was gross. Um. So after all of these pieces fell to the floor and after this report was leaked, Rachel was just really kind of get trying to get her life back together. I mean, I'm sure it was probably very hard in a small town with a lot of like judgment. <laughs> It's one of those things that no matter how the investigation would go, she would always carry that claim. Yep. Like people Mm -hmm. would always hold that no matter what the truth ended up being. Oh yeah. And that's like the kind of shitty thing about uh, like media in small towns. Oh yeah. Now in late 2017, she started talking to state police about Frank's business dealings. Rachel was fearful for her life and was worried that Alquipa police were following her. Lisa got Rachel in contact with John Paul, that investigator uh, that I mentioned earlier. Lisa told John he would get this huge story to bring the town down. He did state in the 48 Hours episode that he talked to Rachel a handful of times, never met her physically before she passed. She told him that the town was filled with crime and corruption, but never gave him actual incriminating information to like do anything with. She would just keep reiterating the town was rotten to the core. She even told Paul that she would not make it past 2018. That's weird. Yeah. That stuff always freaks me out. Mm-hmm. She was getting death threats. And with this fear, she became like socially isolated. Though with this isolation, she started dating Sheldon's half-brother, Rashawn Bolton, who was um, living with Sheldon at the time. Um, and I think that's kind of questionable because you're trying to put this behind you and these rumors and you're going to date his brother. Mm, Yeah, no. Yeah. I I wasn't happy about that. I have questions about how this story seems to be like escalating. Like, was she doing like shady stuff? Like, yeah, definitely. But death threats and being like super paranoid. Like, doesn't that seem like... It's, I mean, he's 17. He's a child. Yeah. I think she was getting more death threats for the fact that she was talking about Frank's dealings. Okay. Oh, that would make sense. Okay. I see. Because she definitely felt or had noticed that the Aquipa police were taking more of a notice to her, maybe following her. And she was worried that if she were to expose some of this stuff, um, that it would obviously bring down some big players in the town. So I think it was more those deaths because those death threats came way after she was like exposed, you know, it's okay. more closer to the time she was talking to the state police. Okay. So when Rachel started dating Rashawn, obviously Sheldon kind of wasn't happy about it. Um, and it could be for a couple different reasons. One, he's like jealous or still not over her Two, like, Hey, he's trying to get his life back on track too. Because I mean, if it was true, he technically would be looked at as a victim because she's older and should know better and he might not want to be around her and here she is dating her half brother 
Lisa said that Rachel felt safe with him and joked that it was probably because he was built like the Hulk. Now, I looked at pictures and I definitely wouldn't say that. I mean, he was bigger than her, but like he wasn't like, I don't know, a Hulk. (laughs) But moving on, the uncle said that, yes, Sheldon at first was upset, but moved on because he had other women because he was a star. Oh, my God. Yep. Get over it. (laughs) Yep. There's like five people in this town. Mm-hmm. doesn't take much to be the star literally high school football yeah that's what i thought it was like that nauseating fact i mean i'm not a football person and it's i mean it's big here but not like not like that <sighs> oh my god who was it in napoleon dynamite was that uncle rico or whatever oh. <laughs> that like could not get over his like high school football yes. days that's oh, i love that kind of what i imagine <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so Rachel just kind of needed people to help her along, and she found another person who I mentioned earlier named Lauren Watkin. But Lauren was another high schooler. She was 17, and it was just raising questions with her therapist and parents, like, why? Like, they all told her she should stay away, don't do it, don't be around her, and for some reason, Rachel just wouldn't listen. Like, I don't get it. Like, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Stop Mm -hmm. hanging out with super young people and you're not going to get accused of weird things. Yeah. And honestly, like, I know it's like completely different, but it almost reminded me of the R. Kelly case and not like what he did, but R. Kelly himself. He would associate with a lot of younger people because he couldn't socialize with people his own age because they could either see through him. I mean, I don't think he even graduated high school. And at all, I think he dropped out, but he couldn't communicate or socialize with women his own age. Even, even if he had a lot of money, older women didn't want to be around him Yeah, because he couldn't socialize. And, but then thinking about this, Rachel has a degree. It seems she had a life. Like why can, why is she now just connecting with kids? I don't get it. So that frustrated me a lot. I was just like, I don't understand. We couldn't tell. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, No, it's all good. I just, uh, I don't know. On the 48 hour episode, Lauren was like specifically asked, like, why, how were you two friends? Like, what did you have in common enough to be friends? And basically Lauren basically said like a kid answer. Oh, she helped me with my college applications. We drive around, listen to music, get ice cream. Like as an adult, that's the last thing I want to be doing. (laughs) I don't want to be proofreading someone's college applications. I don't know. I mean, like I would do that for like my my girl she's kind of like a mix of a little sister and almost like a surrogate daughter sort of thing but like i would do that for her but because we have that kind of relationship already like i wouldn't just be going to the high school and saying like (laughs) hey what's up can i just like help you with college applications and eat ice cream with you okay cool and i like it was never said like how they actually met I don't really even know. I thought I would think that she would like not be able to go on like the school campus after everything happened. But Lauren repeatedly said that she was like the best friend that anyone could have. And I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that. But um, it's important to note that Lauren's dad was an officer and he was the one quoted in Paul's article was there the night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we're going to move to the, the night in question. Um, which was Sunday, May 13th. My God, we haven't even talked about the murder yet. I'm sorry, there's just so much. I no, you. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking. Yeah. 
there's a lot with this case. All right, guys, enjoy. Buckle up. Yep. 45 um, minutes in and hitting the murder. Yep. Um, so Sunday, May 13th, 2018, which was Mother's Day, Rachel went out with Lauren, of all people. Of course. They were just driving around singing. At one point, they passed Sheldon, who Facebook messaged Lauren asking if that was them. He just passed. She responded saying it was. He then asked what they were doing, and Lauren didn't reply to that. They swung back to Rachel's parents' house for Rachel to get a sweater, and then they were off to go to Hank's for ice cream. And one of the last, and that was basically the last thing that she told uh, her mom, Lisa, like, Hey, we're going to Hank's, um, which is awful. And I have to like, as much crap as I've given, like Lisa, it was mother's day. She lost her daughter. Like I can't even imagine that is the crappiest of crap. Not that there's ever a good day to lose someone, but yeah, that kind of puts an extra oomph to it. Yeah, exactly. So Rashawn was conveniently out of town that that day, but they picked up Tyree. Sounds like an alibi. Yep. They picked up Tyree. This is another half-brother of Sheldon. I don't get it. Like a different different half-brother? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, how many brothers does this guy have? I mean, obviously a different person, but like... Yeah. I'm just like, how many, guy, how many brothers does this guy have? A lot, apparently. Um, apparently. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren dropped off Rachel at 1045 PM. And, and she, she claims now, which is interesting that she watched her walk up the driveway and go to the side door before driving off. Lisa and Joe said that there was no way that that was the case because if she tried to go into that side door, they would have heard because I guess the dad, like that's where he sits to like watch TV or whatever. And they were relaxing around that time waiting for Mm -hmm. her to come back. So they said, no way she was trying to get in. They would hear, I mean, maybe she went to the door and got texted and someone was coming to see her and she like walked back up. I mean, maybe it is a possibility, but then there's like skepticism around like Lauren and her dad being the officer. And right. It's a little suspicious. Um, so Rachel was shot several times. One article said 10 times. Um, and that was in people's magazine, but I could only find, um, it listed in that magazine. So I'm just putting it out there. Take it with Um, a grain of salt. Yes. Um, and she was shot right at the edge of her parents' driveway. So that's like also suspicious because, um, Lauren said she was all all the way at her side door. She had already gone to the door. Yeah. And there's a distance between like the driveway and the side door. So Sheldon attorney says that he believes it was a hit by because there was that many shots. But I would think if it was like a professional hit, it would not be that many shots. Maybe it was an unprofessional hit, like legit, not just being funny. I mean, maybe it was like Craigslist ad kind of hit. Maybe. And, you know, they wanted to make sure that she was really dead. So I think of it being personal with that many shots. Yeah, for sure. Um, David Lozier, the DA, said that he believes it was a crime of passion. The police pulled all the surveillance footage and unlocked the data, texts, and calls from Rachel's phone. After the processing of the crime scene, Aliquippa police said one of their officers contaminated the scene. Uh And the day after her death, Lauren's dad, Sergeant Kenneth Watkins, was placed on paid administrative leave. Huh. 
Yeah. Though in the article it says because his daughter was grieving and he needed time. And the... So why would that be paid administrative leave, though? I don't know. I, that, that would be... Leave leave. That would be a, like, personal time yeah. leave. Mm -hmm. Or bereavement, if that's what, you know, you're claiming for the grief of a loss. Yeah. And I could not find the name of the officer that contaminated the scene. So, questionable. My brain would say it's him and that's why he was put on leave. That's what I thought, but... There's just so That's many my interpretation back and forth, and this um, this uh, Paul, uh, John Paul, uh, he he posts these articles, and the amount of people that are local that comment on it, you can tell there's just such contention, yeah, between the people and the police, and all this back and forth, and all these rumors. It was like kind of really hard to read through all of it to know which was which because you have all these conflicting art. There was there's just so many articles I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um. So there was that, but when they did go through all these phones, especially Sheldon's phone, I believe they had a warrant to take his phone. The hour before the shooting, Sheldon was texting Tyree, and this is a list of texts. At 10.07 p.m., is y'all there already? 10.15 p.m., I got left, huh? 10.19, who y'all with? 10.30, Hank's closed. Um, some suggest that Sheldon was trying to track her whereabouts by doing this, like trying to figure out where they were. Lisa's- Right. Yeah, which makes sense, I think, I think. especially because he tried reaching out to Lauren and asking about you know what they were doing right lisa says from the moment she found out rachel was dead she believed sheldon did it there was like no question sheldon had an alibi that he was taking care of his grandparents at the time police had a search warrant and collected his clothes yet what they took were not the clothes he wore that night and i guess he didn't correct them which is kind of suspicious yeah michael santacola who is his attorney uh said it isn't sheldon's fault that they took the wrong clothes <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you can't blame him for something the police did, but like you're intentionally not going to point out that it wasn't the right clothing. Yeah, basically. That's the sketchy part. Well, basically, the attorney said there was a pile of clothes and he said, my clothes are there. And I guess they didn't take all of the clothing and some of them. And I guess like, I guess he doesn't really have to tell them if they took the right thing or not, but it's still super suspicious. Yeah. Um, Lauren said in the 48 episode, hour episode that Rachel never told her she was afraid of Sheldon or that he was possessive with her. Like she was not worried about him. And so Lauren thinks that it wasn't Sheldon. Um, so there's that. Just don't know if I believe Lauren. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm super questionable about all that. And then I almost think in my head, like, did her father ask her to befriend her to find out what was being said about the police right there's just a lot of questions i have about the whole situation it's just convenient timing and yep. yeah it's it's weird it is so may 17th 2020 almost two years after rachel's death sheldon was charged with murder for a tyreek pew a friend who was considered basically family i think at one point he was living with sheldon's family but is it a coincidence that the pair went to get ice cream at Brewster's that night before he was murdered? Hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Tyreek was found. And this is, this is a different person. This is 
Okay, yeah, this is Tyreek, not Tyree. Okay. Yeah, I... Sorry, little font, bad eyes. (laughs) All good. Yeah, this was not the half-brother. So... Okay. Tyreek was found shot seven times close range. He had five shots to the head, which in my head is also personal. Yes. Yeah. Usually anything facial. Oh, yeah. Sheldon was picked up and questioned... He said that they came home from Brewster's and Tyreek left to go to work. He said that he saw him walking away. He had a security camera across the street from their house shows Tyreek and Sheldon leaving together in a car, <clears throat> Sheldon's car, at 11.10 p.m. But Sheldon returned alone at 11.39 p.m. Oof. Yep. Police found a gun under his mattress, which was later determined to be the gun used in the murder. There was also gunpowder residue found on the steering wheel. Like, that is a lot of evidence. A lot of evidence. Yeah. Police offered a plea deal only if he would confess to Rachel's murder. In the end, there was no deal. He wouldn't take it. In early June 2021, Sheldon's to trial and was found guilty. There's never a motive given for this brutal murder. Sheldon's uncle said that they had all been together earlier that day and there was no issues at all. He just doesn't understand how this could have happened. And it, it wasn't like he was doubting it, saying, oh, it wasn't him. He just is in utter belief that it happened. So Sheldon, Sheldon was a football player. And actually we were, my kids and I were talking about this in class today um, because we were talking about traumatic brain injury. Oh, and who's, and that, who's that guy that they, uh, he was a football player who like killed Aaron Hernandez. Yes. And then they studied his yeah. brain afterwards. Yes. Yeah. So it can cause these major shifts and, more and more research keeps coming out about concussions and TBI. Um, it's something that my husband is super interested in, and he listens to a lot of podcasts and stuff on it because apparently it can affect truck drivers too. Um, but anyway, like being in these sports that are high contact, especially you know head contact, can really mess with mental health. And sometimes you just flip of a switch. I mean, it's total just you are one way one minute and then you just flip and i mean it could be enough to make him say oh i've got this gun in my hand boom 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 you're dead like yeah it it's very there's so much research to support and it's only the really been, idea that tbis lead to this kind of blackout stuff and it's only really been like more recently that it's getting studied Yes. Because, I mean, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I've played rugby since I've been 15. I mean, I'm on and off, obviously, with, like, COVID and being old and fat. Right. But (laughs) the amount of concussions I've had and, like, before, it was, like, no big deal. Get up and shake it off. Like, get back in there. But now they're way more, um, they take way more um, emphasis on making sure you're better before coming back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I gave myself a concussion loading firewood into the back of a truck. It's I'm gifted. Um, and I was talking to my neurologist because I get such bad migraines and like, he had me come in for two separate follow-ups to make sure that like after a concussion with my migraine condition that I didn't do like more damage to it. And that's the first concussion I've had because I danced and played tennis, so I didn't really 
hit my head off of things. Yeah. I like limit the rugby playing now, especially because like I have a kid, like my last game, I broke my finger and it took me six days to like be able to walk without hobbling. Um, yeah, but I see girls all the time in like rugby. You're not really wearing any gear at all except for a mouthpiece. So it's like, it's a scary thing. Yeah. And I honestly didn't think about that. Surprisingly of all things, and that's a good point. Um, but uh, David Lozier, the Beaver County District Attorney, basically agrees with you. He said that Sheldon had a flash temper, basically where we left him. So apparently there was this like secret testimony brought before a grand jury. David Lozier confirmed in the 48-hour interview that Frank is not a suspect, which I think is suspect, but whatever. He said, we're pleased with the quality of evidence that we have and we'll make an announcement when we believe that we can win a case to the criminal standard of beyond a reasonable doubt. So obviously it's like, it's hinted that it's this is for Sheldon. Like, Sheldon's going to get pinned. Well, and it's the fact that they're saying when we believe we can win a case beyond reasonable doubt, like, it definitely feels like they're saying we have someone in mind, but we still think that they have a card to play. Yeah. So we're waiting until we can get rid of that card to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to give a little bit more information from even more articles I found because it's just like a plethora of articles for this. I just cannot in good faith pass over Frank. His company delivered new canine vehicles to the Aquipa Police Department in 2016. And like over the years, they've donated a lot of money. Um, Chief Couch tells Beaver County Radio News that the police department, city and residents are grateful to Frank. We're proud of his success and remembering his hometown. It's clear Frank has deep, deep, deep ties with the authorities and is it possible Rachel really did have something on him? I mean, starting businesses is hard. You're a kid with no experience, like not drop out of college. I know it's possible. My uncle started a business. He was drop out of high school. Um, yeah. And they have a successful business of 20 years. Um, but I mean, you're in a town that has dirty players. I mean, it's sometimes the easier road looks good for somebody that needs yeah. the money. Who knows? I'll never know. But it's just a question. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of times, especially in these small towns where families have been forever, there are just certain family names that whether it's because of money or because their family has just been there forever, that you can't touch them. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at any small town and it's like, oh, the Millers, like they've been here forever. You can't, you know, they they can do no wrong. Yeah. And, it's just really questionable and even the police like could they have had something with it it's obvious that they were having major issues around this time getting put on like right investigation there was another investigation into that i mean there is a lot of stuff on them that i didn't want to put in here because it didn't relate to this case but it was just clear that this police um office just was not doing it. Sure. And another questionable thing is um Frank's new girlfriend, I think I put a picture up. Um they um he was wearing a shirt saying fake alibi and she posted about it also saying like fake alibi. And it's like they're kind of like taunting and that's kind of like crappy. Like you were you've known her since you've been kids. You, they dated, I think, on and off for like six years. I mean, that's a long time to like. 
I don't know. So I just, I just, I don't know if I can like pass over Frank hundred yeah. percent, but since we are so long on this case, um, that's basically the end. That was a lot of information to unpack. Um, if you do have any information regarding the death of Rachel Del Tondo, call the Beaver County Detective Bureau at 724-773-8569. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. The music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week.